Catholic priest, a Baptist preacher, and a rabbi all served as chaplains to the students of Northern Michigan University in Marquette. They would meet together once a week for coffee and talk shop. One day, one of them made the comment that preaching to people isn't really that hard at all. A real challenge, he said, would be to preach to a bear. A real challenge, uh, one thing led to another, and they decided to, to uh, do an experiment. They would all go out into the woods, find a bear, preach to it, and attempt to convert it. Seven days later, they all came together to discuss their experiences. Father Flannery, who had his arm in a sling, was on crutches and had various bandages on his body and limbs went first. Well, brothers, he said, I went into the woods to find me a bear. And when I found him, I began to read, read to him from the catechisms. Well, that bear wanted nothing to do with me uh, and began to slap me around. So I quickly grabbed my holy water, sprinkled him, and the holy mother Mary of God, he became as gentle as a lamb. <laughs> The bishop is coming out next week to give him his first communion and confirmation. Reverend Billy Bob, uh, not this one here, but <laughs> Reverend Billy Bob from First Missionary Holiness Baptist Church spoke next week. Next, uh, spoke next. He was in a wheelchair. He had one arm and both legs and casts, had an IV drip. Uh, in his best hellfire and brimstone oratory voice, he claimed, Well, brothers, you know that we don't sprinkle in our denomination. So I went out and found me a bear, and I began to read to my bear from, the, from God's holy word. But that bear wanted nothing to do with me. So I took hold of him and began to wrestle. We wrestled down one hill, up another, and down another until we ended up in a creek. So I quickly dunked him and baptized his hairy soul. And just like you, uh, just like he said, he became as gentle as a lamb. We spent the rest of the day praising Jesus. Hallelujah. The priest and the reverend both looked down at the rabbi who was lying in a hospital bed. He was in a body cast and, and traction and IVs and monitors running in and out of him. He was in really bad shape. The rabbi looked up and said, Looking back on it, brothers, circumcision may not have been the best place to start. <laughs> yes, praise God. <laughs> I heard that one from a, a, a school teacher at Andrew Womack's school, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so today I want to start a series with you guys on faith, and it's not, uh, we often hear the question, what faith are you or what denomination are you in? We're not going to be talking about, you know, a Catholic priest, a rabbi, or a Baptist pastor, or anything like that. When we're talking about faith, we're going to be talking about belief. What do you believe in believing in God? So uh, what, when you look at faith, faith is really important right? Faith is very important. So first of all, I want to start out with what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, we'll have that for you on the screen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance there means confidence, firm trust, and assurance. And the word evidence there means conviction or proof. Now the interesting thing about this verse is that it's not really telling you what faith is. And it says faith is, but it's not really telling you what faith is. Faith is trusting God. Faith is believing God. What it's actually telling you is what faith looks like. Faith looks like conviction. It looks like a firm trust. It looks like assurance. It looks like you know, someone that's confident in what God said because they know, they know God. Verse 2 said, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So faith looks like someone has trust in God. They believe God. They have an assurance. They have a conviction that they, will, they have received the unseen thing they're hoping for or anticipating. 
They've already received it. That is faith, and faith is very important. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, or that he is, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it's impossible for us to please God without faith. Now, the word there for please God, it actually means to gratify entirely. So it's impossible to gratify God entirely without you using some faith. Uh, faith pleases God. Faith gratifies God entirely. So first, we must believe that God exists. Then you must believe that he rewards those who diligently or earnestly keep coming back and seeking him and seeking him. It's not like a hide-and-seek game, but you're, you're diligent, like coming back to him with everything. God, here's what's going on. Let's talk about this. I mean, the other day I was working on Jordan's Jeep, and uh, I had this, this is taking a stereo uh, speaker out. And the, I mean, you really had to have really tiny little hands to get in to do some of these things. And I couldn't get the whole side of the door thing off. And there's this little clip that has to go in there. And anyway, I was trying to pry this thing out. And I was working on it for a while. And I was like, oof. And I prayed, like, all right, God, would you help me get this thing off of there? First, I it went off. Like, instantly. I mean, it was like seconds. I'm like, why did I wait so long to get God involved in this process? And you know, it's, it's like we think that God doesn't want to help us with things that we're good at or we think we're good at, or whatever. But God wants to be involved in every part of our life. Amen? Every part of your life. And so it, it's, faith is, it's, uh, we believe that he exists, but we believe that he rewards those that diligently keep coming back to him. Come back to him. Keep coming back to him. So uh, next question is, where does faith come from? Romans ten seventeen. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So there's two different words for word here uh, in, the, in the Hebrew language. There's the word logos, and there's the word rhema. The word logos is the written word of God, and rhema is the spoken word of God. Now, which one do you think verse 17 is here, written or spoken? You got a 50-50 shot, guys, I'm going to tell you. It's, it's, it's not both. It's the spoken word. It's rhema, okay? So faith comes from hearing the spoken word. The spoken word, okay? Uh, also, there's a translation error in this verse. It says, um, the, the word here says God, but in the original language, it's theos. And theos is God. It's where you get the word theology from, which is the study of God. So it's not faith comes by hearing the spoken word of God. It's, or it's, uh, that makes it sound the written word of God. It's faith comes by hearing the spoken word of Christ. There's different ways to apply that. You're like, what's the difference, Pastor? Isn't God, Christ, Jesus, Holy Spirit, are they not all the same? Yeah, they are. But when you read it like this, someone can take that to mean uh, that it's just, you're just going to get faith from reading your Bible. But I know lots of people that read their Bible. I know lots of people that have whole chapters and sections memorized, and they have little to no faith. Can I get an amen? They, I mean, they, they say they have faith, but they're more fearful than anybody I know. They don't believe what they're reading. I mean, the Pharisees had stuff memorized. He said, you study the scriptures, but you, and they talk, and, but you don't even know they're talking about me. So we need the spoken word of Christ. So it's, it's not just the preaching of the gospel or the preaching that you're saved through faith in, in Christ. It's actually when Jesus speaks to you, when he speaks to you. Now, how many of you experienced when, you know, Christ spoke to you? How much faith did it feel like you had to exercise to, to believe what he said? Like nothing, right? It felt like it was just like, well, man, that was he, he. He said it. I know that he said it. Where it gets hard is if you don't know that he said it. 
where he gets hurt if you read a scripture verse like this and you don't know if it applies to you. Then you're like your double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You don't know if I can receive this thing. But when God comes to you and Christ speaks that spoken word to you, you're like, man, I can believe that. Because I know that I know that I know that I know that he said it. And when we've all had that experience, your faith, uh, it feels like it's way up here. Right? In reality, it's just, it's just natural faith. It's just supernatural, but it's natural for you. Because faith came by hearing the spoken word of Christ. Can you get faith from reading the Bible? Of course you can get faith from reading the Bible. But that's not what verse 17 is talking about. That's not what verse 17 said. Faith comes by hearing the spoken word of Christ. Okay? All right. So um, now I know all scripture is God-breathed. He spoke all of it. Old Testament, New Testament. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So all the scripture is God-breathed. But what did God breathe to you? What did he speak to you? You can read a verse a hundred times, and we should, right? But until God breathes on that sometimes, until he brings life to that sometimes, that word is just like a, wah, 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 wah. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and it means absolutely nothing to you. Are you here? I'm just telling you. I mean, being real, I'm tired of playing church. I just want to do what works, amen? So I'm going for what works. What works is believing God. So when, you, when you're talking about faith, it has to get from here to here. Right? It has to be in your heart. So the thing is, too, the Bible does re- records the words of God, but it doesn't record everything that he had to say. Right? I mean, it didn't record everything God ever had to say is not in this the canonization of Scripture. Right? Jesus said in John 16, 12, I, have, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. He didn't say a few things or a couple of things. He said, I got many more things to tell you, but you can't handle it. Paul said at different times, he said, I write, I've written to you about the things you wrote me about, and he addresses all these things about communion and all these things about baptism, different things. He said, the rest of these things I'll address to you when I get there, which we have no record of what they were or what he said. Or uh, Paul also said that he heard inexpressible things that he wasn't allowed to repeat, right? So there's more things that God's saying. He's speaking all the time, but we have to tune the dial of our heart and to listen to what he's saying. But if you don't believe that God speaks, how is faith going to come? How is faith going to come? It comes from the spoken word of Christ. I mean, faith is easy when you hear God speak, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's doubt. It's unbelief that makes faith hard. It's double-mindedness. Like, I think God said that to me. Or I had three prophecies about this, but I still don't know if it's, if it's true. Well, guess what? It's that double-minded man's unstable in all he does. That man shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. But when you know, when you know God spoke, there is faith. Amen? So um, J- Jesus said in J- uh, Matthew 4, 4, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, the spoken word of God. Amen? We need to hear God speak. Now, you think, well, I could hear something wrong. You could hear something flaky. Yes, you can, and you probably will. Praise God. That's part of the learning process. That's, you are allowed to make mistakes. All right? Let's take off this professional Christianity thing. You are allowed to make mistakes. You're going to learn by trial and error. You didn't do good at anything first time around. Amen? It took practice. So um, Jesus also only said what he heard the Father saying. He was constantly in communication with the Father all the time, hearing and saying. Hearing and saying, hearing and saying and doing. And faith came, did Jesus walk in faith? Yeah, he walked in revelation all the time. I don't know how much sermon prep time he needed. Just like, 
you're listening, like, okay, oh, that's a good one. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the prodigal son, that's a good story. You know, um, but I'm wondering, could this be the key to activating our faith? You know, of course, you can get faith from the Word of God, the Word of God. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Every word you hear, you should go back and compare it to the Word of God and make sure it's, it's consistent and it's accurate. But at the same time, the Word of God doesn't tell you who you're supposed to marry. It doesn't tell you what city you're supposed to live in, what college to go to, or what job you're supposed to do, or anything like that. You have to hear that from God. And when you hear from God, you're supposed to marry this person, or you're supposed to move to this town, or preach this place, or go to Uganda, India, or wherever. When you hear God say that, you know that you know that you know, and you go there. It doesn't matter if the coronavirus is there. It doesn't matter if the bluonic plague is there. It matters God said to go there. And that's where faith comes from. And if you're thinking, like, oh, I just want to go there because, uh, you know, because it's a good idea, or because Pastor Ryan went there, or someone there, but God told me to go there. We went to, we saw some weird and scary things, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Praise God. I did, but God told me to go there. So I wasn't double-minded and wondering, like, oh, is God going to protect me here from, from this mosquito or this malaria or this whatever? And I'm like, I don't even think about that because God said go. Faith comes from hearing the spoken word of God. Amen. It comes, and it's easy. I don't have to battle with doubt and unbelief when I know God spoke. But sometimes we step into things too soon because we assume God said something or we thought God said something. So we walk into something and we're walking into it alone because God didn't really say it. So it's good to have confirmation from prophetic people. It's good to have confirmation from your pastor or someone. Do you think this is God? There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in many counselors, isn't there? All right. This last time I thought I was supposed to go in March. I still believe God told me to go in March, but once everybody wasn't going to go with me, Dave Mark said he would, but, he, but also he said, God told me not to let you go alone. Well, you could, re, you could take that two different ways, that he needs to go with me or he needs to stop me from going, right? So the second time he said to me, I took it like, he needs to stop me from going because I'm supposed to wait until later to go. Now, would I have been protected? I'm sure I would have been, but at the same time, God wants me to go with a team. He sent everyone out in teams. Paul went in teams. Disciples went in teams. So it's wise to do that. Amen? It's wise to listen to counsel. So um, where do we receive faith? Uh, Romans 10.10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We receive what we ask for in prayer. We receive it in our hearts. We don't receive faith in our heads. It's not this intellectual mind game thing. If it's still in the mind game thing, it's not faith. It's not faith yet. It's not faith till it gets down in here. It's faith when you can't, it's, it's harder to doubt it than it is to believe it. Okay? So um, it's with our hearts we believe. That's what Jesus was talking about in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. It says, therefore I say to you, this is in red, Jesus said this, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you have received them and you will have them. Where do you receive them? In your heart. Faith is of the heart. The devil wants to keep everything in the head realm, in the intellectual realm, and faith doesn't work in your head. It isn't ever encouraged in Scripture. There's not a verse in the Bible, in Old or New Testament, that says faith is of the head. Faith is in your spirit. It's in your heart, okay? So this is where people meet, miss it. They do, some do a good job logically agreeing with the Word of God, which is good because you can't have faith without agreement. You have to agree with God. But if it never goes anywhere past logical from your head into your heart, it's never fully developed into what Bible-believing faith actually is. In a lot of the church, that's where they are. 
They have some head knowledge. They have a few scriptures memorized, but it's never gone from here to here. They call it the, I don't know, what is that, 16-inch journey or whatever it is they call that, but it has to go from here to here. And God is not going to make that happen. You have to make it happen. You have authority, and you have position as a son to have as much faith in your heart as you want to. Oh, come on. I feel like I'm preaching alone here. I know you're liking it. Praise God. I mean, you do. Because who sows the seed? The farmer sows the seed. The seed is the word of God. Who's the farmer over your soul? Who's the farmer over your heart? Who gets to cultivate your heart? Who has, decides if it's stony or it's hard or it's soft or it's tilled or it's weeded? Who decides that? You do. You do. So you put the seed of the word of God in your heart, and that seed will grow 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, and you will reap a harvest. But you have to sow the seed of the word of God into your heart. God's not going to do it. You can pray for faith all day long. God said, no, faith cometh by hearing the spoken word of Christ. Plant the seed of God in your heart, and it will grow. And you will grow. And when you speak to something, you'll believe what you say is going to happen because you've planted that seed in your heart. All right, John Wesley said, the devil has given, a, given the church a substitute for faith, one that looks and sounds so much like faith that few people can tell the difference. And he called this substitute mental assent. And that's faith in the brain, faith of your brain. Well, I think this, and I think that, and I think this and that. And guess what? Your thoughts can be good, but it's not going to do you any good until it gets into here. It's not going to do the people you're praying for much good until it gets from here to here. But when it gets from here to here, watch out. Watch out. The devil better watch out. Everybody better watch out. Because when it gets from here to here, it's a whole other story. Come on, somebody. Have you ever experienced it? I mean, I'm telling you, if you haven't experienced it, you need to go after it because it's real. When the word goes from here to here, and it comes, it's like it explodes, and you're like, like something goes off of you, and it's almost like you feel invincible in this area, like, whoa, man, that's the Holy Spirit. And it's not like you feel like that all the time. Sometimes you got to stir yourself up in the most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, whatever, but you remind yourself who you are in Christ. But when it's deposited in there, there's a faith seed that's growing 30, 60, 100 times what it's sown, and it will work for you. It will produce a harvest. It's the only kind of harvest that will be produced. All right? Fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, those things like talked about the cares of this world, desires for other things, all those things are going to kill your faith. Right? Isn't that what it says, the parable? So I believe mental assent has keep many people from receiving the blessings of answered prayer. Uh, they pray a prayer, and it doesn't happen instantly, so they assume this must not be the, word, the will of God for my life. Because I prayed. Well, did you know? What verse are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on that says you have a right to ask for what you're asking for? Are you going to through the covenant? Are you going through it based on your behavior or your sin pattern or, or your Bible reading or whatever? What, 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 are you, what are you standing on when you pray this prayer? And they, they had this mental assumption that, well, I prayed it, so I guess it must be not be God's will, so it must be God's will for me to suffer and all this kind of things. And I'm telling you, that is a bunch of baloney. That is not in the Bible. That is not in the Old Testament. That is not in the New Testament. God's word is clearly demonstrated. It clearly shows his will in his word. And it's your job to believe it. No one can do it for you. There are no shortcuts to faith. You have to put in the time, you have to put in the seed, and you have to believe. And you have to speak to doubt and unbelief, you have to speak to fear and tell it to leave, and you have to sow that seed and let it develop and grow in you. 
It's your responsibility. Amen. It is. Praise God. But I'd rather have God give me some responsibility than just leave me out there in no man's land and think it's case sarah sarah. It doesn't matter what I do. God's going to kill me anyway. <laughs> and you know what? And that's what most of the church thinks. I mean, just anyway. So faith is not of the brain. Faith is of your heart. It's your spirit. And your spirit is where God lives. Your spirit is what is perfected forever. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit talks about lives in you, inside of you. It's Christ, you, the hope of glory. And when you plant the seed of the word of God in there, it's going to grow. Amen? So this is part one of our of faith is believing with your heart, not believing with your head. Believing with the head is mental assent. You do need that to agree with God's word, but it has to go further than that into belief. The second part of faith uh, is the confession with your mouth. Okay? This is another part the church struggles with. Okay? Uh, this is not talking about the confession of your sins. Okay? Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Didn't say if you confess with your mouth all your sins. The church has become excellent at confessing sins, even making up some just in case they did or didn't do it. They're going to confess it just in case they don't die and go to hell. And they don't know God. They don't know God. I'm not saying they're not born again. They don't know him intimately, knowing somebody, knowing the heart of God. They don't know him. And they're excellent at confessing sins. They're not excellent at confessing the word. What does it say? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So with your heart, you believe that Jesus is Lord. With your heart, you believe that God raised him from the dead. But with your heart, you also have to believe unto righteousness. And most of the church doesn't even know if they're righteous or not. Most of the church wouldn't dare say they're righteous because no one's righteous, no, not one. And they're failing to understand that they're missing out on the blessings of, of God. Because we're not, no one is righteous, no, not one. But we're now get, received the gift of righteousness from God. It's a gift. So with your heart, you believe unto righteousness. And by faith in our hearts and what Jesus did, we receive the gift of righteousness. It's by faith in what he did, not faith in what we do. Amen? If you put your faith in what you do, you're going to be double-minded, absolutely, because we have our good and bad days. But it's with our mouth that we confess unto salvation. Now, this can be a bit confusing, confusing because it says, we believe to receive righteousness, but we confess to receive salvation. You may be like, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought righteousness and salvation were the same thing. Well, they're not. And, uh, and that's why they make a distinction here. They're not. Um, righteousness is our right standing with God. Salvation is the benefits that we receive because we are right standing with God. Or the potential benefits we can receive because of our right standing with God. But if they don't know their right standing with God, they don't know they're righteous, they don't know they're saved, how are they going to receive the benefits of their salvation? And they're living way below their privileges and rights because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they believe. They don't know how to confess the word. They confess their sins and nothing else and wonder why they're living way below their means and not walking in the promises of God. I'm telling you, uh, the word salvation there is the word sozo. It's used 110 times in the New Testament. And the word means to save, to keep safe. Now, this is part of your salvation, okay? So if you want to get an amen on you want to shout something, then shout it, because this is your salvation. Because you, you have to get it from saying. I'm coming to it, but you, you have to get this salvation. You have to get from saying. 
We receive by faith our right standing with God, but you confess with your mouth unto salvation. The gifts of salvation, you, it's going to come from your mouth. That's how you receive it. To save, to keep safe and sound, to save from injury or peril, to save from suffering, example, from diseases, to save from sin, to save from the, the penalties of judgment and hell. That's what the word save means. That's just the one-third of your salvation. Okay? And the one-third part, a lot of the church doesn't even believe that, that they're forgiven of their sins or that they're saved or they're saved until the next time they sin. They don't even understand the gospel. Man, it's so frustrating sometimes. Like, wow, if they really knew it, just think of the freedom people could experience if they just knew about the covenant. I don't know if you can really enjoy your salvation without understanding the covenant because you're so busy trying to please God when he's already pleased and made a way for you. The next part means to heal, to heal, to make well or whole, to restore to health, sozo. That is part of your salvation that you must confess unto all right? To deliver, to, to protect, to deliver, to rescue from danger or destruction. So the writers of the New Testament wanted to show us the fullness of the word sozo, and so they use this word in multiple different types of sentences in the, in the Bible. And I'm going to show you some of these just briefly. Uh, Luke 19.10. I think we should have that. We got Luke 19.10 in there? Or did I skip it? All right. Um, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The word there, save, is sozo, okay, clearly meaning about our salvation. But we've always assumed salvation means uh, when you die, you go to heaven. That's not what the word means, okay? It doesn't mean that. We've made the, Where'd that stuff come from? It's not from the original language. It's not from the Bible. Of course, when we die, we absent from the body to be present with the Lord. But salvation is a gift we receive through the confession of your mouth when you believe unto righteousness. That's what the word says. I just showed it to you. I'm going to show it to you again in a minute. All right, healed. Mark 6:56. And whenever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. That's the word sozo. So we thought saved the first time, healed this time. Just think of that. All they had to do is walk by and touch his clothes. He's sitting down just chilling out, and they're getting healed. I wonder if that lady's testimony with the issue of blood is why this happened. I wonder if she went and told how she pressed through the crowd and she got past everything else and got to touch his garment and then he was, she was made whole. I wonder if her testimony of that made other people believe to walk up, they can touch him too and get healed. I don't know, but I'm just wondering. All right, next one, Luke 8, 36, delivered. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. Sozo, made well as sozo. So here, referring to the deliverance of this man from demonic spirits was the word sozo. So sozo means saved, healed, and delivered. That means your salvation means saved, healed, and delivered. That's what salvation means. It doesn't mean anything else. Of course, that includes forgiveness of sins. But it doesn't mean when you, just when you die, you go to heaven. These are the benefits you confess unto to receive because you have right standing with God. This is what you now have access to through your mouth and through your faith confession. You have access to because you're righteous. Righteous isn't talking about your behavior. Righteous is right standing with God. You have this. You have right standing. Therefore, confess unto these things. Speak unto these things. Say to these things. Okay. So all of this is part of our salvation. We now have access to the forgiveness of all of our sins. 
We now have access to healing of all diseases. Praise God. Come on, somebody. That has to go from here to here, because you can hear me say it a hundred times until it goes from here to here. I mean, when it does, I'm telling you what, when sickness comes near you, you're going to be like Wigglesworth or something, just like, boom, and punch the thing. No, I'm not recommending that, and don't, that's definitely one you don't want to use mental assent with. <laughs> you want to know that you know that you heard God on that. But uh, we now have access to healing of all diseases, all of them. Corona, whatever, next year, whatever they want to come up with. Uh, you, did you hear the beer companies might have to file bankruptcy because the people are so dumb that they think they're going to get Corona from drinking Corona beer? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. God bless America and the, the world. I mean, God help us to get some education. But anyway, um, so, wow, I'm way off topic, so let's get back. Um, we now have access to healing of all diseases because it's part of our salvation. We now have access to deliverance from any demon because it's part of our salvation. We now we receive, we receive these benefits by the confession of your mouth. You say, well, Pastor, I don't want to say that. Well, you're never going to experience it then because that's the only way it's going to come is by the confession of your mouth because God said so. Not Pastor Ryan said so. God said so. So you can believe all these things all day long, but until you confess it out of your mouth, you're not going to receive the benefits of your salvation. Okay? All right, let me show you this again in another scripture. 2 Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Guys, this is why so many Christians are living so far below their means and their privileges in Christ. This is why. Uh, they believe they're saved, hopefully. Um, I mean, hopefully. I mean, honestly, a pastor down the road told me, he's at a church of 300, he told me that he believed that only 20% of his church was saved. I don't believe that at all. But if he believes that, and he's preaching that, what's he filling with? Doubt and unbelief. They're not going to confess unto salvation. They're going to confess their sins every morning, noon, and night. Because if they die before they wake, they're going to go to hell in their mind. And that's not a good salvation, amen? That's worse than the Old Testament. They, had, they at least had forgiveness for a year. My gosh, where did this stuff come from? Anyway, they, they, hopefully they believe they're saved, but they definitely don't believe they're righteous, some of these people. And uh, when salvation is a benefit of righteousness, of right standing with God. So many are not even sure if they're righteous or they're saved or born again. And guess what? They say so with their mouths. And then according to their faith, it's done unto them. And by their words, they're acquitted. And by their words, they're condemned. And uh, they don't know what to confess because they don't know what they believe. And then uh, they, all they've been taught is how to confess their sins and not been taught how to confess unto righteousness or confess unto salvation. And they're, they're living way below their benefits of salvation. Because to them, salvation means when they die, they get to go to heaven. And that is not what it means. Amen. So I want to show you something from Romans 10, 9, and 10 again. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice in verse 9, if you can remember, you can go back to verse 9 for a second. It says confess with your mouth first and then believe in your heart second in verse 9. Verse 10, it says, believe with your heart first, and then confess with your mouth second. So first it was believe, confess, uh, believe, confess, confess, believe, or vice versa, whatever, you get the idea. All right, so sometimes 
you're, well, I'll just give you an example. Let's say you believe Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead. You believe that, and there's no one that can tell you different. There's no one that can make you believe anything different from that. But you're struggling with believing that you're righteous, or you're struggling with believing, again, like you're born again. Well, confession needs to be made unto your salvation. So confession needs to come first to help you actually believe what the Word of God says. That's why one time it's written before, one time it's written after. It's inter- this is the cycle of faith. It's believing and confessing, confessing and believing, believing and confessing, confessing and believing. It's a cycle of faith. Confession brings possession. Confession will remove doubt and unbelief that tries to steal the truth from you. Confession will bring the actual feelings of your salvation to your soul. You've experienced that. You've experienced this morning in worship. As you're worshiping God, you had all kinds of different feelings, all kinds of different thoughts and things that you felt the presence of God. And that can happen at the same time when you confess the word of God. And just imagine when you speak the, 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 the spoken word of Christ over you. We're so afraid sometimes to tell each other stuff. When we, we feel like God told me this or God told me that. Well, how are we going to work together? If I don't know your prophecies, you don't know mine or whatever. We're not supposed to know each other after the flesh, but after the spirit. We're so good to know each other after the flesh and our worst day and our worst mistakes. But God wants us to know each other after the spirit of who he says we are in Christ and our spiritual assignments. So this is the process of faith. You have to believe in your heart, right? Jesus Lord. You confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. Believing, confessing, okay? Holiness preacher George Watson said, I have seen hundreds and hundreds who didn't have one bit of feeling or emotion stand and say, well, I will dare say it, the blood cleanses. And they kept saying it, and it wasn't five minutes before their faith had brought down consuming fire from heaven. Why? Because your faith is not perfect until that faith comes out of your mouth. So they, they prayed a prayer, which we've, we've all done. They came to the altar, they prayed, they whatever, but they didn't really believe they're saved. So this man gets in, got him to say, I want you to confess the blood cleanses. The blood cleanses. Just keep saying that. And so they just stood there. He said, about five minutes, the blood cleanses. The blood cleanses. The blood cleanses for like five minutes. And after five minutes, boom, something happened where they got the assurance of their salvation. Fire fell from heaven, he said. And if their faith was activated, they probably never doubted again the rest of their life that they're saved or not. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Praise God. Because <laughs> I sure doubted growing up because I had to get saved a hundred times. <laughs> Oh, God, help us. Amen. That's how faith comes. Amen. Oswald Chambers, author of My Utmost for His Highest, said, In the Bible, confession and testimony are put in a prominent place. The test of a person's moral character is in his say-so. I may try and make myself believe 101 things, but it will never be mine until I say so. If I say with myself that I believe and confess it with my mouth, I am lifted in the domain of that thing. This is not a word of faith teaching, guys. This is a God teaching. It's a Methodist pastor, a Baptist pastor. It's whatever. I mean, it's the truth. Your lack of faith or lack of feeling of the emotion of, a fa- of faith is from your lack of confessing what God says you, who you are now. It's lack of looking at the mirror of God's word. It's looking at yourself and not looking at him. It's instead of looking at God's mirror and finding out who you are in the spirit, and confessing it with your mouth, that's why there's doubt, unbelief, and double-mindedness. But as you look at the word, not look internally, and confess with your mouth, the doubts and unbelief will be removed, and you can believe what God said about you is true. And you can walk in freedom. 
I mean, honestly, if you struggle with believing if you're saved, that is one of the most tormenting things you could ever feel. From morning to night, not knowing if you, when you die, if you're going to go to hell. If you had an accident or something, you're going to hell. That's bad because it's a long time. <laughs> it's eternity. It's awful. And, but why would God want his children to wonder that? He's not using that some kind of leverage. He's not using trying to manipulate you. He said, hey, listen, son, I'm going to pay the price for you so you don't have to mess with this anymore. I'm taking your sin completely and entirely forever so we can be in right standing together. And here's the benefits of this. All I want you to do in return is believe me and tell my friends, tell my other family that I'm not counting their sins against them anymore. And believe. All right? George Watson summarizes this again nicely. He said, an inner faith and an audible confession are two wings of religious life. God has an infinite wisdom ordained them both as conditions of his blessing. Faith in the heart is the condition by which we obtain the fact of God's blessing. And confession with the mouth is the condition by which we obtain the experience or the emotion of God's blessing. Heart, faith, and mouth confession are twin born of the Holy Spirit. And what God has joined together, we dare not put asunder. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a cure there's an answer to your doubt and unbelief. There's an answer to your fears and insecurities. It's in believing the word of God and confessing it with your mouth. And as you do it, it's going to move from here down into here. You're going to hear the spoken word of Christ. Faith is going to come, and you can speak to the mountain of fear and unbelief and doubt to be removed, and it will obey you. You. It'll obey you. You don't have to have a pastor. You don't have to be anointed with oil. You don't have to have on worship music. You don't have to do a special dance to get God's attention. He's in you right now. All the time. 24-7. All right? You just have to believe what God said in your heart is true. Okay? Let's get rid of the qualifications from you have to do this, this, and this. No, you have to believe. God will take care of the behavior, but you've got to believe first. He's not concerned about the behavior. He would have been doing, not concerned as much, I should say. Not that the behavior doesn't matter. But he wants us to believe his word. We believe who we really are. Behavior will naturally take care of itself. If you believe you're a loser, you're going to act like a loser. If you believe you're a king, you believe you're a son of a king, you're going to act like the son of a king or the daughter of a king. Is that true? That is true. And that goes for everybody. All right? We, it's what we believe. So to summarize today, faith is trusting God and his word. Faith looks like confidence, a firm trust, and assurance, a conviction that we have received the unseen thing that we are hoping for or anticipating. So your faith can be seen. What you're hoping for can't be seen. What you're anticipating can't be seen, but, what you're, but your expression of your faith can be seen. Okay? All right, so faith gratifies God entirely. Faith comes by hearing the spoken word of Christ. Faith is in your heart, not your head. And faith is activated by your mouth. And uh, people that say they don't believe that, and I want to say, let's look at your life. Let's see what you've been saying. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. Our lives look exactly like the way we've been speaking. It's a scary fact and reality, but it just is the truth. Everyone, it's, a, it's how we believe, we therefore speak. But you can change what you believe, and it will change what you say. And if you change what you say, you're going to change what you experience. 
Now, uh, people can take this too far, and they think that it's Christian science, it's mind over matter, blah, 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 whatever, and it's not that. It's believing God. God is God, and he said these things in his word, and it's up to the sons of God if they're going to believe God. And if you believe God, you can walk in the things of God. If you don't, we can just play religion and go to church because then it looks good to people in the community. They look good to people. I'm a good Christian guy. I go to church three times a week and oh, you know, I get a brownie badge at home. And you know what? Or we can have a relationship with God. What, what would you want? To look good to somebody who might feel good for a few minutes, but it's not going to help you when you're at home praying for your family. Or when your kid's sick and you're wanting to pray and you don't know what the will of God is. or when it's something else, That's not going to help you look good in the community. I mean, I'm not saying we should look bad in the community either, but I'm just saying knowing God is more important. And God, because you have right to stand with God, you now have an invitation that you get to individually know Him. And if you want to experience faith, it's going to have to come out of your mouth. There's no other way. And your faith uh, gratifies God entirely. Isn't that a cool thought? That you have the ability to gratify God entirely just by believing him? Amen. 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 Will you guys please stand? I want to bless you. Every once in a while, I just need to be reminded myself about the power of my words. Because life and death is in the power of my tongue. And those that eat it enjoy the fruit thereof. And I can speak life over my children. I can speak life over my community. I can make the principalities and powers of our region look bigger than they really are by what I agree with. But if I agree with what God says, agree with his word, I can put things in a proper perspective. I can just speak what he says, what he's spoken to me. When, I went to, uh, when we went to um, California last year for the prophetic meeting, I had been focused so much on praying against this principality and this power over our region of of poverty and different things that our region struggles with. I had focused on it so much that they became too big. And a, friend, a guy I met there actually talked to me on the side and said, you focused on the wrong thing just, just too much. And now, you've, now the, the spirits are bigger than God. I'm like, gosh, I did it again. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to do. I mean, on, on different topics, it's easy. You get so focused on praying against one thing or whatever, and you have to step back and say, no, God's bigger than this. And just pray with him. You're praying through him, but you're praying with him. God, what do you want me to pray? What do you want me to speak? What do you want me to release on this earth? What are you saying over our region? What's your opinion of our county? What's your opinion of our resources? What's your opinion of the children of God here? What's your thing? Because it's easy to agree with the negative, but it takes faith to say what God's saying. So we have to be listening to hear, amen? Amen. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for faith that you have given each one the measure of faith. And now it's uh, on us, so to speak, of how we're going to exercise it, how we're going to use it, by believing your word and confess it with our mouth. God, I pray you would supernaturally help us to be careful what we say and be faithful with what we say. Be intentional of what we're speaking. Even if our feelings don't line up yet, they will eventually. But we can agree with your word because you let God be true and everything else a lie. So God, we just elevate you in our lives again, excuse me, above everything. Above culture, above the opinions of TV or Hollywood 
or politicians or school teachers or, in, or pastors, leader, or any, we elevate you above everyone, that you are God, and we will believe your word. So God, I thank you for your people, and I bless them today. I pray, Lord, they will not be listeners only, but be doers of the word. So they won't be building their house on sand. They can build their house on the rock. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.